glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness in true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Thank you. You may be seated. As we looked at this text last week or two weeks ago, uh, the foundational verses are laid there in the verses leading up to verse 25 where he's laying out very clearly you were uh, lost, you were in trespasses and sins, but now that you've been saved, you're to put off the former conversation. The old lifestyle is to change. Jeff and I were having conversations. We come in today from door knocking. I won't go into great detail because of the context and the content of, of what a sign here in town says. It's a euphemism. You may be familiar for a very filthy phrase that people are using right now politically. Signs are hanging up everywhere. Sometimes they hang up a sign that actually proclaims the filthy phrase, but now there's a euphemism for it. My understanding is last Sunday in a so-called church, an entire congregation of people were chanting the euphemism. And there are men and women defending their right as Christians to use that euphemism to express their political frustration. It's a euphemism for a filthy phrase, a filthy term. And it illustrates the need for the message we have tonight that that is not part of our new conversation. I hear men uh, who claim to be Christians, sometimes even preachers, defending using God's name in vain or defending using foul or, or filthy language that leads the mind to think of things it shouldn't think. God gets very clear, once we're saved, our speech is to be different. And we saw it again two weeks ago, always with grace, seasoned with salt. Uh, There should never be a time where we are found talking like the world talks, like we used to talk. That's changed, whether it be when we're feeling angry or we're not feeling angry. It doesn't matter. One of the things that characterizes our old speech is lying. Unsaved people use lying as a tool probably on a daily basis. Lying is a great tool. It can be a great tool in business. I mean, you've worked for a business that encouraged or even required you to lie. I remember one of the first times I ever got in trouble, not in trouble, but a pinch in a work situation was over being told specifically to tell a lie uh, in order for business to go smoothly. And God delivered from that and helped and made it turn into a good situation. But that was a situation in my workplace where... For the sake of business, you have to lie sometimes. Well, that's, that's not God's way. I mean, I say this. Once you develop the conviction in your heart, lying is to never be part of my speech, it'll change the way you live. <laughs> not only the way you talk, it'll change the way you live. It can cost you at times to tell the truth. I mean, you know that's true. It can cost you. It can cost you financially. It can cost you in a business situation. We're in a position right now. You have a lot of people with requirements from the federal government about what they need to do to retain their jobs might be tempting to lie. Now, I understand they have ways to see if you're lying, but we might at times as Christians, especially the group I'm preaching to tonight, may say, well, there may be occasions where you have to lie in order to do what is right. 
it is never right to do a wrong in order to do a right. And so we need to get established that lying, and if I can do anything, if God, with God's help tonight, establish that lying is to never be part of our speech as Christians. Every, and especially if I can encourage and challenge you young people, get your conviction now, lying is not part of your life. You're not going to lie to each other. You're not going to lie to your parents. How many of you know if you just determine, I won't lie? It'd clean up your life a lot, wouldn't it? Absolutely, because when we do something wrong, the number one defense is to lie about it, whether with our words or in other, any other fashion. We can lie with our actions at times as well. Lying is, in, is doing something in order to deceive another, to, in order to... Um, uh, we use our words to do it. We use our actions to do it. But especially we're talking about the tongue tonight. And so may God help us tonight to see very clearly from Scripture that once I belong to God, my Heavenly Father has said lying is not supposed to be part of my vocabulary. And so we see in verse 25 what he says is, You're a new person, wherefore put away lying. And I'm going to consider three things. Now we... We're just going to scratch the surface of all the verses that deal with lying in the Bible. But I think these three things tonight will give us enough information to get that conviction deeply settled in our heart uh, that it's not to be part. And I say conviction. I don't mean a verbal acknowledgement, I believe lying is sin. That's not what a conviction is. How many of us understand what a conviction is? A conviction is something I firmly hold to be true and it's going to practically determine what I do in my life. A conviction is I have a personal standard or rule by which I'm going to live because I know it's the mind of God. So by faith, I've determined I will not go there and do that because God's made it clear that's not His will. What I want to do tonight with God's help is come out of this message and it be abundantly clear that God is never, not on any one occasion, okay with us lying. (laughs) And then out of that, to understand that lying does not originate with God ever. It originated with Satan And therefore, it is not to be part of our lives or we're being satanic, not godly. Amen? And to understand, I used to be belong to the devil. That's why I lied. But now I belong to God. And I'm going to tell the truth. Again, I'll say this. Once a person's saved, it's one of the first convictions. It's one of the first things mentioned here about putting on the new man. Put away lying. It will modify and change every facet of our lives. It will determine. If you determine lying will never be part of my life, it'll keep you out of a lot of dark paths and places. Amen? I will always just tell the truth. And so then, let's consider these three things tonight I believe will help us uh, in regard to the, the subject of lying. Number one, as I mentioned already, let's consider the source of lying. Was lying part of God's original creation? No, God and Adam and Eve never lied to each other. When God came into the garden, He didn't lie to Adam and Eve. When they spoke to Him, they didn't lie to Him until Satan entered the picture. And after Satan enters the picture in the form of a serpent there in Genesis chapter 3, Satan lies to Eve, falsely accuses God, as we saw and mentioned this morning, and you very well know, he falsely accuses God. He maligns God's character. He accuses God of holding out on them. says, if you eat that fruit, God knows you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. He is holding out on you. He lies about God. Adam and Eve sin, and then when God showed up, they try to lie to God. They try to pretend they did nothing wrong when they did. God says, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. He wanted to see if Adam would tell the truth. And Adam said, well, I you know, saw that I was naked and hid myself, but they tried to cover their sin with leaves. They tried to hide from God. That's a form of lying. 
Where'd that come from? Lying originates with Satan. Getting people to believe something that's not true comes from the devil. John chapter 8, you know this verse well, I think most of you. If not all, John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees. They are accusing him of being born of fornication. The Bible tells us in John 8, 41, they've accused him of being born of sin. Uh, he says in verse 40, But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. He said, Abraham didn't try to kill people that told him the truth, didn't try to kill me when I told him the truth. Verse 41, Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his, of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Verse 45. And because I tell ye the truth, tell you the truth, ye believe me not. What was the number one reason the Pharisees wouldn't believe Jesus? Because he told them the truth. They were prone to believe lies. They believed the lies of Satan. They were promoters of Satan's lies. So as we consider the source of lying, we see the ultimate source of lying is Satan himself, the devil. He is the father of all lies. Our foe, the devil, is a liar. I believe the fiery darts of Satan are lies. He, he fires darts uh, at our minds, accusing God of being unfaithful. He fires darts of accusation at us, accusation at God. He accuses the Word of God of not being trustworthy. I, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna to preach for just a moment on something that's very, very burdensome to me right now. Men who are claiming to be preachers of God's Word and constantly disparaging the idea of an infallible Bible. Why in the world you'd claim to be a man of God, a preacher of God, and constantly cast doubt on whether or not we can trust our Bible is beyond me other than you are working for the wrong side. Your Bible can be trusted. It's God's Word. It is only Satan who challenges the veracity of the Bible. God never does. Satan is a liar. He wants you to question the Bible. Not sure if I can trust what's there. He wants you to focus on translation. He wants you to focus on men. He wants you to focus on interpretation. What you need to focus on is the author of the Bible who gave it, who preserved it, who interprets it for us so we can know the truth. Satan is the one who wants to get us to doubt the truth so we'll believe his lies. He is the originator of all lies. So we must understand that the source of lying is Satan himself. Number two, in the, in the, under the source, it's not only our foe, but those who work for him. There are those today who make it their mission in life to preach deceit. Now, that's just a truth put forward in the Bible. The Bible makes it clear. If you read your New Testament, Jesus warned that false teachers, false prophets would come after his departure. The one thing Paul warned the church in Ephesus about in Acts chapter 20, the elders of that church... After my departure, grievous wolves are going to enter in, not sparing the flock. They're going to come in and try to snatch people away by getting them to believe lies. What will happen is if you believe a lie, you'll reject the truth. You cannot believe both at the same time. And we're told over and over that in the last days, uh, perilous times will come and false teachers and seducers will wax 
worse and worse, not better and better. So the father of all lies, Satan, has many people, false teachers, false preachers, false prophets, working for him, producing, formulating, and preaching doctrines of devils. Look, if you would, at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And by the way, the only way to overcome the, the lies of Satan is to be so familiar with the truth. You must know the Lord God as your Savior. You must know the truth, and then you can recognize a lie. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. Something very specific the Spirit of God is going to tell us. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing. Now, that's deceitful. All right? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking what? Lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I use this one verse as an example. There's many, many, many more we could give. We know in, in, as we looked at First John, what was going on there, there were people creeping into the church, promoting lies, casting doubt and darkness over the truth to, to confuse and confound God's people. And so the source of lying is Satan himself, those who work for him. Second Corinthians 11 calls them false apostles. Deceitful workers, if you would. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Uh, and his, his workers do the same. Ministers who say, we have light for you. Here's what happens. You read your Bible, and as a born-again person, you read your Bible, and you get an understanding from God, from the Holy Spirit of God, what your Bible means to you. And then somebody so intelligent comes along and tells you, no, 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 you can't. You can't do that because you don't understand the underlying languages and the background and all of this. And all of a sudden, something that the Spirit of God truly used from the Bible to instruct you, edify you, help you, grow you, and move you forward by faith in Him is disparaged and doubt is cast on that by a naysayer, what the Bible calls a gainsayer, who doesn't believe the Bible themselves. And they don't want you to either. I read this weekend there's a, a Twitter feed by New Evangelicals. And it listed five things you don't have to believe to be a Christian. And the first one was that the Bible is infallible. You don't have to believe in the inerrant and fallible Word of God. You don't, have to, you don't have to believe in a narrow set of standards for morality to be a Christian. It listed five things. And the first one was the infallibility of the Bible. Now, how in the world are you going to get saved if you don't believe that the Bible is infallible? If you don't believe this book is infallible, was Jesus really born of a virgin? I only find two verses in my Bible that say he was. <laughs> well, what you're going to, have to be told by some people is the Catholics added that to prop their doctrine up. I got news for you. The Catholics had nothing to do with it. The Holy Spirit of God did. He preserved the truth for us. But I'm going to tell you, once you step on the slippery slope of correcting your Bible, you are in trouble. <laughs> and I am in trouble. God has given us a book we can trust. It's our job to trust it. False teachers produce and spread lies because they are just like the Pharisees and Sadducees of Jesus' day. You know what they did? The Pharisees and Sadducees knew the Scripture very well, did they not? They didn't understand it, but they knew it. And they went around getting people to dismiss what the Scripture said so that they would listen to what they had to say. They put their own traditions over Scripture. We have some today when you have plain Scripture accusing of the same thing. You have plain Bible, for instance. We're giving plain Bible tonight about Christians aren't supposed to lie. May I say this? Teaching God's people not to lie is not a tradition of men. It's a commandment of God. Amen? So we'll move forward. The source of lying is our foe, the devil. False teachers who work on his behalf. You know what else is the source of lying? Our own flesh. 
Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, you know as well as I, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't ever trust, you or I either one, don't ever trust your own intellectual reasoning. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. We need to trust what God says, not what my emotions say. Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust your own intellect apart from God's word. I'm not saying God didn't give us the ability to think things through. He said, come now and let us reason together. I'm not saying don't be reasonable. God is reasonable. Amen? It's man that's unreasonable. When you think about some of the things that are being promoted as true today, you'll find out who's unreasonable. That's not God. Man is unreasonable. But my point is this. We oughtn't to trust our own natural thinking. We must trust the word of God. How many of you know that you in your own nature will give yourself a pass for things you would never give anybody else a pass for nine times out of ten. It's good for us to learn that early. We are, we are most prejudiced when dealing with judgments concerning ourselves. We need to know that we cannot be trusted. We must trust the Word of God uh, to correct us and instruct us. Colossians 3, 9 is very much like what Ephesians 4 says. It says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. You know what the Bible's saying? Lying is part of the old nature. It's satanic, it's devilish, it's sinful. And so then, the source of lying is Satan, Satan's workers, our uh, false teachers, and of course, our own fleshly nature, which was under his rule and control until the Lord Jesus set us free. And we must understand the sources of lying. That tells, you, know, you know what source we didn't find here? The Holy Spirit of God is never a source of lying. He is the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. And so then, if we have to use deceit to operate in life, we know we're not following God. We know that. Turn, if you would, very quickly to Ephesians 5. You may be there already. But the Bible tells us in verse 9, let's back up just a little bit. Verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth goodness and righteousness and truth will never be following the spirit of god if we have to use lying and deceit to operate our lives and so then uh the source of lying is satan false teachers our fleshly nature these are basically the sources identified in the bible as the promoters of lies and of course satan is the ultimate source number two the seriousness of lying now we understand that satan is the source of all sin and we understand our fleshly nature is is has a propensity to sin and a bent and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a bondage to sin until we're saved and set free. But how serious is lying? Isn't lying one of those sins because it's so common among men? Not every man's a murderer, not at least in action. Most men are murderers in heart, but not most in action. Not every man's an adulterer. There are men who've been faithful to their wives, at least not in action. Not all are thieves. Maybe not everybody in this room has stolen something. Most people are, but not all. But I haven't met a person yet that's never lied. I've met some that claim to not lie, and they just added one more to it when they did. But lying is so common, we have a tendency to water it down and say it's not that serious. But God makes a point to say it's very serious. Number one, the seriousness of lying can see that you'll never find it in God's nature or character. It is against the very nature of and character of God. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. 
Paul says in verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. The Bible says in verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So in two different places, the Bible makes it very clear it is entirely against the nature of God and character of God, so much so that God cannot lie because it is impossible for him to lie because if he could lie, he would not be God. Part of what makes him God is his incapability of ever saying anything that's not true. Therefore, that's why we say you can trust every word of the Bible because every word came from God. You can't trust... You know what amazes me? I thought this the other day. I was saying to somebody... When it comes to science, we're told today that the God of our day, that the holy writ of our day is scientific papers. Humanism claims science as the holy writ, meaning you're not allowed to question it. You cannot question climate change. If you question climate change, you're evil. You're trying to destroy the planet. You hate people. If you question the science surrounding COVID, you're evil. That's what the culture has said because science, falsely so-called, is now the holy writ. Say, preacher, are you against science? I am not against true science. I love true science. It's I'm all for it. True science is based on facts. How is it, though, when the Bible is criticized, someone will say, well, you can't trust every word of the Bible because men were involved. And you can't trust that men would be objective. Men are going to assert and insert their own interpretations when they wrote the Bible and when they translated it. So men who translate the Bible and men who do that, they're they're not objective. But now scientists, they're objective. They don't assert their theology into their scientific studies. Certainly not. They are just honest, upstanding men who have no desire but the truth. Isn't that amazing? The men who actually preferred truth above their very life, God used to write the Bible. Men who preserve their life above truth are today what are our scientists many times, and yet we're told they're objective and these men were not. How is it that the Bible is a man-made book, but the scientific papers, no one ever brings it up? God's not even involved in their, their thinking. Ah, and you see, you can see, you have to defend lies with lying. You know what I love about the Bible? It's just truthful. You know what? If I wrote the Bible, I wouldn't tell you about David and Bathsheba because David's a man after God's own heart and I wouldn't want to tell you about one of my heroes having sin in his life. But God told us. I wouldn't tell you that Moses buried a man and uh, killed a man and buried him in the sand. But God did. I wouldn't tell you that Peter denied Jesus three times. No, that would make Christianity look bad. What God does is I'm going to tell you the truth about man and the truth about God. It is one of the things that proves to us that the Bible is the Word of God. Men wrote things about themselves that you would never write unless God told you to. Amen? Absolutely. How many of you would like to write the book of Jonah? Not me. But Jonah did. Uh, Most evidently he did. And the point would be this. The seriousness of lying is God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. So if we are lying in our lives, there is no way God has anything to do with it. 
It's against the nature of God. Number two, it is an abomination to God. It's not only impossible for him to lie, God hates lying. How many of us understand that sodomy is an abomination to the Lord? Here's what we often hear. Because of the culture and that is promoting that wicked sin, we hear that a lot, but how many of you know that lying is in the same category as sodomy? You see a man dress up like a woman. God hates that. A man that says, I now declare myself to be a woman. Some woman that declares herself to be a man. And they reverse roles. And something in us goes, ah, that's despicable. And it is. Somebody tells a lie for a business deal. And we don't feel quite as strongly about that. But God says, I feel the same way. Proverbs chapter 6, if you would. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 17. God uses the same language to describe lying as is used to describe the sin of sodomy or the sin of abortion. How many of us know that the abortion is the shedding of innocent blood? Vile, it is an abomination to God. But lying is equally abominable. How many of you think that in a culture, and in the culture even of our churches, there's a little more permissiveness with lying than there would be with abortion? I would think so. There are some people who lie on a regular basis who go out and protest against abortion clinics, and so should they. It's all right. But I wonder if they feel about their lying the same way they feel about somebody killing a little baby. Because God does. God's disposition is the same about lying as it is about these other things. And I preach it this way because often ours is not. You say, oh, we should lighten our view of abortion? No, we should strengthen our abhorrence of lying. I'm not saying have less abhorrence for abortion or less abhorrence for sodomy. I'm saying we should have a greater abhorrence for lying. And there are many a person who never dream of paying for funding or participating in abortion, would never dream of participating in a sodomite lifestyle. But one day they may because they're willing to participate in lying. We commit one sin and permit one sin. It's not long before we bridge a gap to the next. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 17. Bible says, verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate. Strong word, but it's what the Bible says. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Look at this, verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies. Didn't he already cover that? Well, not exactly. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. It's interesting to me, the first sin mentioned is a proud look. Most of the rest are connected with the first. A proud look, a lying tongue. We often lie to defend our own reputation. It's the number one reason we lie. To get people to believe about us what we've already believed about ourselves. To excuse something that we should not And so the proud look leads to a lying tongue. And then when he says, a false witness that speaketh lies, now our lying has gone beyond defending ourselves. Now we're using our lying to hurt someone else. You see, if I will lie to defend myself, I'll also lie to destroy you. Because many times the only way to defend me is to destroy you. We become like the devil. And so then, God takes lying seriously. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. And by the way, what an important message for a New Testament church. Why? 
Because the church is the pillar and the ground of the... May I say this? If any member of this church, including your pastor, any one of us, decides that lying can be part of our lives, we will hinder the work in the Spirit of God in the church as a whole. Lying cannot be part of our lives. We cannot make it part of our lives, allow it to be part of our lives. As the individuals allow lying, it creeps into the church. It's a poison that harms and ruins the very reason we exist because we are the pillar and the ground of the truth. And so then Proverbs 12, 22, we're talking about the seriousness of lying. It's against God's nature and character. Therefore, it's an abomination to God. Proverbs 12, 22, just to repeat and emphasize this truth. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. How many of us know you don't wash your sins away by telling the truth? We're not dealing with salvation here. But how many of you know that because you're saved, you and I are supposed to prove what is acceptable to the Lord? You see, we've been accepted because of our faith in Christ. And because of that, we should want to live lives that are acceptable and pleasing to God. If and when we tell a lie, God is not pleased. We must know God's attitude toward my lips, if I'm lying, is He hates it. Loves me, therefore he hates lying lips. An abomination to it. So, it's against God's nature and character. It's an abomination to God. And then when you get into heaven, in New Jerusalem, described in Revelation, guess who and what you do not find there? Liars. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. There are those, the Bible says, who love a lie. They love and believe a lie. And they, they therefore reject the gospel and they're not going to be in heaven, but the Bible says, Revelation 21, verse 8, speaking of New Jerusalem, but the fearful, speaking of the second death as it relates to that, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We see yet again... Lying is never a characteristic of a child of God. It's a characteristic of the old man. and Those whose lives are identified by deceit and lying have not been born again, uh, are not going to be in heaven. Liars and lying not found in the New Jerusalem. Proverbs 21, 27. I understand heaven and New Jerusalem are not the same thing. We're talking about being in the presence of God. God does not allow lying in His house. Let me put it to you that way. In His abode, it's not welcome. Proverbs 21, verse, I mean, excuse me, Revelation 21. Sorry about that. Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. 22, 15. Talking about the New Jerusalem and what is outside the city. Said, For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I read these verses to emphasize the seriousness of lying. How many of you would think that you would put, or I would put lying in the same category as idolaters or whoremongers? And again, dogs refers to the sodomite lifestyle, that unclean, filthy living. God puts it all in the same list. Same list. That tells us how serious the matter of lying is. God says, I want this to be out of your life. Wherefore, putting away lying. That brings us to our final point. We've seen the source of lying is Satan. And those who work for him, our old nature, 
the seriousness of lying. It's against God's nature and character. It's an abomination. God's absent from the New Jerusalem. It's not going to be in the presence of God in eternity, not now in the presence of God. We see the seriousness of it, the, the solution. Number one, there has to be regeneration. Your old nature is bound to lie. The flesh is a liar by nature. You have to be born again. You have to have the spirit of truth in you to be a person who is truthful. Now, I understand there are saved, lost people who make it their habit to tell the truth most of the time. How many understand there are some people who will tell the truth because they have a motive. Perhaps they want to be liked. Perhaps they want credibility in their workplace. And those aren't bad things. But ultimately, when you deal with someone like that, someone who is moral, and you begin to deal with them about their need for a Savior, you know one of the first things they'll do? Lie. They'll begin to say, well, I'm a, I'm a good person. That's a lie. Well, they may not realize it's a lie. If they don't, it's because they've lied to themselves so long. They've had to dismiss the testimony, the witness of their own conscience, the testimony of the Word of God, the testimony that God has placed there. And so uh, the, the truth is you must be born again because you can't put on the new nature until you have it. Second Corinthians 5.17 again, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Colossians 3.9, Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man... With his deeds. You can't put off the old man until you have a new man to put on. So you have to have regeneration. Number two, you have to have a renewed mind. The natural way to think is lie to stay out of trouble. The easiest way to get out of trouble, present tense, is lie. Pretend you've not done wrong. And then say things. How many of you know this? Let me, let me just try to get home to where we live, okay? How many know this? You may not just outright tell a lie, but how many times do we drop little phrases to lead people away from the truth. If I say this, my parent will not know I did this. So this morning, let's just get real simple. This morning, instead of reading my Bible, I goofed off and did this and that and whatever else and never read my Bible. My parents want me to read my Bible because they want me to read my Bible. I want them to think I read my Bible so that they don't grumble at me about not reading my Bible. So what I'm going to do is say, oh, in my Bible reading... I read such and such. I just won't tell them what day. I'm just using an illustration so you know where I'm going here. Oh, I got this wonderful truth out of my Bible reading this week, and you're assuring the parent I'm reading my Bible. You stated something that was true in order to get them to believe a lie. That's the kind of lying that a lot of saved people do. I'm going to say this little truth over here to keep you from this truth right here. It's lying. We need to learn to be just in our judgment, identify lies. The Bible says put it away. Lie not one to another. Again, what would be the number one reason I think we as Christians would lie to each other? Save face. I want you to think me to be better than I am. Instead of confessing my faults, I'm going to cover them. Instead of being honest and true about my needs and how I need prayer and whatever it may be, you might think less of me, but I'm just going to lie. It's a self-defense mechanism, but God says put it away. It's serious. It's, it's part of the old nature, not part of the new. Well, you've got to be regenerated. Can I say this so tonight? It may seem impossible to say, man, to live a life of constantly, 100% of the time, telling the truth. Whew, I might get in all kinds of trouble living that way. No, no, you won't. <laughs> you won't. You'll be glad you made that decision. Be someone who tells the truth 100% of the time. 
If you are born again, you have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jeff and I mentioned earlier, he mentioned in testimony time, you have grace from God to do right. God's grace is abundantly sufficient to help you tell the truth 100% of the time. May I say this? Once a person develops the habit of lying, you will never break that habit without the grace of God. Never. Because it takes a lie to defend a lie, and it takes another lie to defend that lie, and then you have to maintain the lie, and the best thing to do is just accept the truth, let it do whatever it will, and tell the truth. But my point is this. you have the If you've been born again, say, well, I tell lies. Maybe I've not. No, don't focus on your behavior. Are you trusting Jesus Christ? If you're trusting Jesus Christ, you're born again. That's life, is it not? Faith in Jesus Christ? Then what Satan wants to do is keep you wondering, am I really saved so you don't go forward? No. If you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, question, is he going to do what you trusted him for? then you're born again. Then you have the power and grace of God to do exactly what He tells you to do. This is what I'm talking about, the renewed mind. It's what Romans chapter 6 deals with. You're a new creature in Christ. Therefore, you're not to yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't give your tongue to lying. Say, but I can't help it. Are you saved? Yes. Then you can help it. Amen? Because you're saved, you are now liberated to do the right thing. All that's lacking is your decision. That's it. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, alive unto God. You must first make the decision by faith. God has saved me. God has called me out of the old life into the new. And by His grace, I will do right with my tongue and tell the truth. Every Christian must make this decision if you're going to go forward with God. You must. It's so important that you say, why are we emphasizing this so much? Because many Christians never have. They still have areas of life where they're being deceitful. May God help us. He will if we let Him to overcome a lying tongue. We have to be regenerated. We have to have a renewed mind. Instead of having the mindset that says, I'm in bondage, the only recourse I have is to lie. No, a renewed mind says, I'm a new creature That's what I used to do. Now I am called to tell the truth and I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that includes your tongue, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be like the world and lie. (laughs) Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Based on the word of God tonight, is there any question in our mind that it is the will of God for us to tell the truth 100% of the time? Could could there be any doubt? Is it ever going to be okay with God? Is he ever going to be permissive of us telling any lie for any reason? Someone said, the midwives lied to Pharaoh. That doesn't change God's view of lie. If they did, I'm not convinced they lied. God blessed their lying. No, he didn't. He blessed their protection of innocent blood. Why would we take the Bible to try to disparage something God so plainly says? When I hear somebody say, well, the men lies wide, I want to say, well, when are you lying? Because you're trying to take the Bible to prove that lying is okay, and God said it's an abomination. Amen? It's clear tonight, the will of God, so we have to have a renewed mind. We have to think God's way. Get some principles and convictions that, you know what? Lying is never to be part of my life. As a child of God, when you make that decision of faith, 
God will bless it and give you grace to follow through. So the solution to lying is regeneration, renewal of mind. This is rocket science right here, and replacement. That's very practical. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, where we began. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Do you know how you overcome lying? Instead of lying, tell the truth. (laughs) Now, to do that, you have to be regenerated. You have to have your mind renewed by the Word of God and a surrendered will. You'll never get your mind renewed if you're not yielded to God as a living sacrifice. But you have to start trading when you would lie and tell the truth instead. It's called replacement. All through Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, God deals with this. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. Put off the lying, put on truth. Put off stealing, put on labor with your hands. So Ephesians 4.25, wherefore, all right, let's back up just a little bit to verse 23. That's where we get this concept of renewed mind. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let's back up to even verse 22. I want to put this in context. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. What God says your solution is, you are now new in Christ, you've been regenerated. Renew your spirit of your mind. Think the way God tells you to think. Quit thinking as a slave to sin. Know you're a servant to Christ. Stop lying and tell the truth instead. Isn't there some deep theological truth? No. You're saved. You know the mind of God. He wants you to tell the truth. Do it. You have to decide. There's lying in my life. There may be people in this room tonight. You have lies in your life. You know what you need to do tonight? We have a time for prayer. You ought to be on your knees where you are here telling God, I've been lying and I know that's not your will and I am sorry for that. I have offended you as your child. You saved me and I'm living wrong and I ask you to forgive me and I'm going to tell the truth instead. You may have somebody you need to go tonight and tell the truth too. It may just be God. It may be another human being. But the fact is, you know how you overcome lying? Tell the truth now. <laughs> tell the truth first to yourself. Tell it to God. Tell it to another there's liberty and freedom in being someone who just speaks the truth. You know what? If the truth makes me look bad, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm just going to say the truth. Amen? How many of you know this is the will of God? This is not deep, is it? Practical, right where we live. How many of you would say, I face regularly the temptation to tell lies? Are you breathing? <laughs> of course you do. Lies can advantage us, but you know what? We have to put away lying and speak truth every man to his neighbor. You know what? We belong to each other. In the body of Jesus Christ, that's what he's saying. For we are members one of another. You know what? The best way for a church to commit suicide is learn to all tell lies to each other. We'll harm one another. In a family, it builds distrust. It breaks down fellowship. We need to speak every man truth with his neighbor, with one another. Mm-hmm.